You're listening to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast, a lifestyle podcast for the modern mystic woman, where we explore topics on spirituality, female empowerment, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nixie Marie, and I will be here with you every Tuesday to sit together and rise, feel the energy of the sacred feminine, and explore what it means to be a goddess. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, goddesses. Welcome back to another episode of I Am Goddess Collective Podcast. I am not alone today, and I'm sitting with a very exciting guest, actually, somewhat of a, I guess you could say mentor for me in in a lot of ways. (laughs) Uh, We have Bridget. Esselmont, I hope I said your last name right, <laughs> of Biddy Tarot. Welcome, sister. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to be here. Oh, well, we're really excited to have you on. And uh, I know we've, we've been talking about tarot for like in and out of a few episodes here and there, but I feel like you're really going to bring it with the wisdom. So I'm very excited. <laughs> Neat. Awesome. So you guys, Bridget is actually the author of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Tarot Meanings and the Biddy Tarot Planner, and the brand new book and tarot deck, Everyday Tarot. She's also a professional tarot reader for more than 20 years. Wow, amazing. Bridget also founded Biddy Tarot, which some of you probably are listening, are very familiar with that amazing website where we all can get our resources of what each card means and she has reached over 4.5 million people and has inspired them to live more mindful and enlightened lives using the tarot as a guide yay yay is that really me (laughs) that's you babe can you believe it I know you did all that stuff (laughs) I know it's crazy I keep thinking is that is that me yeah I guess it is (laughs) I love that. You know, that's the beauty. And I think entrepreneurship is there's moments where you're so in it that all of a sudden it's like, where did it all go? What, what did I do? I love that you said that. And (laughs) I I often just feel like a conduit. Um, Mm. You know, like I just, I feel like I'm here to kind of bring this work into the world, but it's not, it's not about me. It's not about who I am, what I do. I just feel like I'm a holder of this space and it's fabulous just to see this um, flowing through and to so many people and seeing Taru come into a whole new way of being um, in, in a way that is so much more like modern and integrated into our everyday lives. So I'm, I'm super excited to see it happening in this way. Absolutely. And I really feel like whatever conduit is that you have opened yourself up to uh, navigate has really allowed for tarot to become very tangible for the mainstream, you know, and I think as we are modern mystics here, it's really important that we also remain very grounded in this spiritual practice. And I think that's one of the things that I really value about you. So just acknowledging you for that, sister. (laughs) Ask. I mean, to think about the times where we couldn't even do tarot, like I live in LA and actually there was a time where we couldn't even perform tarot or oracle readings on in Venice Boulevard or anything was banned. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's like stuff like that just frustrates the hell out of me because, um, I mean, you and I both know that tarot, like tarot is so non-threatening. In fact, it's the most 
it's one of the, the tools that gets you into such a beautiful aligned space and brings out the best in yourself. So it just, yeah, it frustrates me to no end when there's such misunderstanding um, still and about what tarot is and, oh, it's evil and, you know, you're worshipping the devil when you're pulling the cards and so on. I, I, I really want to see us changing that and I think we are, um, you know, little by little, it's, it's great. Right. Well, like I said, I think you're doing, you're doing the work. So we really appreciate the work that you've done. And, and I think it inspires other people to see what's possible in something that maybe might seem very small and minuscule in this like really um, odd world full, full of like nine to five. And this is what your, your, your life should look like. And I really believe anything's possible. So that's yeah. really what I feel like you've created. So tell us like where this all began for you. When did you feel like it was time for you to start practicing tarot? How did it call to you? You know, I want to hear like the beginning juicy goodness. <laughs> yeah, neat. So when I was a teenager, I was definitely into all things spiritual and um, religious. So there was a phase where about two years, I was very much into Christianity. I read the Bible. Um, and really got to understand the teachings of um, the Bible. And then after that, I thought I'll try out Wicca, as you do, go from Christianity to Wicca. Of course. It's like the natural <laughs> um, transgression of, yeah. <laughs> of um, things. Yeah. Um, so I was exploring, you know, Wicca. Um, I remember even at school uh, when I was probably maybe about 16 years old, our religious education class was awesome because we didn't just focus on Christianity. We focused on six of the main religions. So Hinduism, Buddhism, um, I think even uh, Judaism and Christianity and, and a couple of others. And what I really appreciated from that experience was like for me, spirituality is like it's the everythingness. It's not kind of dropping into a particular doctrine and following you know, rules and being, you know, doing what you're told and so on. So I always had this kind of spiritual, um, a spiritual flow, I guess, happening in my life. And then when I was 17, I was getting ready to go over to Germany. I was doing six month school exchange. And my friend and I were like, we were bored one afternoon. So we went in to get a tarot reading mm -hmm. and sat down with this lady and she's like, you know, got her incense burning, cards everywhere. And it's like very sort of intimate environment. Anyway, she goes ahead and she does the reading for what might happen while I'm traveling. And she pulls the emperor card mm -hmm. and she says to me, oh, the emperor, you're going to meet like this amazing boyfriend. I'm like, oh. Oh. Sounds really good, but surely you just tell that to everybody, right? Mm. So um, I went away, went off to Germany, and I did. I fell in love with this boy in Germany. Not my husband now, but um, uh, he was, yeah, he was just such, like, a, such a great fit at that time in my life. And I thought, wow, there's actually something in these tarot cards. I thought it was just a fun kind of party treat, but there's actually something a little bit more. So then I thought, great, I'm going to teach myself how to read tarot and jumped into all of the books, um, started memorizing the cards because I, I was also going through university at the same time. And in what were you studying? Oh, I was studying. Well, actually, I started off studying town planning as an arts degree. And then I moved into commerce. So business mm. uh, and human resource management is what I majored in. Um, and I actually have a master's degree as well in human resource management too. So um, 
yeah, like at uni, you learn to just kind of, you like memorize stuff, right? You, that's how you learn things. Don't have any thoughts of your own, just memorize things and, and you'll be really good at it. So that's how I applied um, myself to learning tarot. I thought I'd just memorize everything. I'll become an expert that way. But I'd end up doing these readings and they're kind of like really robotic and it's not that kind of experience that mm. I thought I'd have. Um, so it took me a few years to get to a place where I realized one, it's not working, but two, when I could just let go of all of that, that structure and having to do it in a certain way and having to be someone, um, be a particular type of person to read the cards. When I let all of that go, mm. it all just dropped in and it started to flow. And I think also coming back to that spirituality piece, um, as I was growing up, I think once I realized it was my intuition doing the work, I just, it just opened up all these doors around the spirituality piece of tarot. I don't know. Every single card has got such strong spiritual elements to it. And it's like these little doorways into the deepest part of yourself um, to open up these aspects of yourself that, you know, like they've always been there, but your conscious mind can't quite wrap itself around it until it's given like a visual image to go into that space that makes sense absolutely yeah that's amazing I feel like it's it's almost like you go to school you learn by the books they teach you you know how to do something and then you grow up and you kind of realize you have to like deconstruct what you've learned and then create it in your own way and that's kind of what I'm hearing you did with with tarot so how long were you practicing with it until you knew it was time for you to start actually giving readings to others? Well, I started reading quite early on. I think I might have just been studying for maybe a year or two. Uh, and like, keep in mind, this is back in the late 1990s. And at that stage, uh, what do we have? I think we definitely had Yahoo groups. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I am, no, I'm super millennial generation. <laughs> Um, so we had like things like Yahoo groups and like message boards. We had instant messenger. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was entering the online space, um, at that stage. And at that point, I think I went ahead and I started doing free tarot readings online. So the American, there was American Tarot Association and they offered, um, you know, you could get hooked up with a mentor and you can do free readings. And I think doing free readings, um, it's a temporary thing, but it is so powerful in terms of building your confidence and giving you a real life situation to start practicing. So I started that quite early because I knew the value of, um, yeah, just putting it into real life. Cause you know, there's so many, there's only so many times you can do the same spread and Okay, what do I think about my life? <laughs> like, you just get a bit bored of that. Oh yeah, I totally relate to that. There's some decks that I I have so many decks, but some of them I'll just feel like mm, I'm not really resonating with this deck anymore. I just feel bored with all the the same cards that I keep pulling. I get it, universe. You know, I get it. But I think uh, I love that you said that because it really just reminds me of how there's so many amazing new decks being created for us to really explore and everyone has a different every each and everyone has a different vibration to it so when you when you practice and you were doing free sessions when did you know it was time to start charging and you know how, how much did you even charge back then what was it like 
embarrassing. Um, <laughs> so I, I pretty much started, I think I did the free readings maybe for um, six months or so just to build up that confidence and make sure. And I pretty much knew what I was doing, but I did start professional reading when I think I was still in the learning phases. Um, yeah. And at that point, yeah, I had my own website. So my biddytarot.com started in 1999 and I hand coded it in a notepad. I learned how to write HTML and created a website. Like it would not be passable these days at all, but back yeah. then it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I set up, so I'd set up that website um, and on it, I included like my tarot card meanings as I was learning myself, but I also started offering readings for a fee. And this is the embarrassing bit. Uh, I started at $10 for a Celtic cross reading. Can you imagine like those things took me an hour or two to do. Um, but my goal at that point was, you know what? I just want to, I would want to step into this place and I want to explore it. I'm, I'm not here to like make lots of money to turn it into a job. Um, for those first like good 10 years of Biddy Taro, it was just a hobby. It was something fun and something where I could channel this creative energy while I was going in and working in corporate and talking business strategy and um, all of that sort of dry stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, for me, I think I probably started earlier than I felt really 100% ready and it's probably a natural style for me. I often just jump into something before I'm 100% because you're never really 100% though, are you? <laughs> well, no, that I think is what prevents a lot of uh, humanity from taking that leap of following their dreams or pursuing something that really calls to them as a passion project or anything. You know, I think we get stuck in the, uh, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we're never going to be ready. But one of my favorite things that I think it's a quote, but I don't know who quoted it, or maybe it's just something that I heard on a podcast that I was listening to or something, but it was, you know, you jump first and let the universe follow. And oh, I think that's it. so true. You know, it's like, you really have to do the work and, and take that leap of faith. And, and then you'll be, you know, the universe will provide but it's that leap that, that seems scary. So I know that there's so many rising witches and uh, really amazing women who are tapping into these gifts. And a lot of people would ask me, you know, how did you know that you had a gift? And, and was it just an inner knowing? Or, you know, what, what, what can you say about that? I think everyone experiences this in different ways. Um, in fact, you know, I, I was talking to someone just earlier today who picked up the tarot cards seven months ago and now she's confidently giving readings to other people. It, and it was, it's like, it's so in her destiny at that point in time, that was the absolute right time for her to move ahead with it. Like it just all lined up. Um, for me, I think it's much more of a slow burn. I, I started with tarot from a much more like rational, logical way. You know, here's a thing I'm going to master, very masculine um, energy, right? Yeah. And it really, like, I don't think it really dropped in until I got to that place of like, oh, this is like an intuitive process. I don't have to do it in a certain way. Um, so that took quite a while for me. And I was, I've always struggled with this idea of like, are you psychic? Um, so people ask me that and I go, no, I don't think so. But then little things happen. I'm like, oh, I probably am. Um, <laughs> But I've always seen it more like intuitive because that just kind of feels more gentle mm -hmm. to me. 
because um, when I was starting to read tarot, I thought, oh gosh, I've got to have like these psychic visions. I've got to be doing a reading for someone and see their whole future in front of me and know exactly when things are going to happen. And when I was in that space, I was in a space of lack going, oh gosh, I can't do that. Oh, no good. And then that was taking away from everything I was meant to be doing. Um, but it was more when I started to relax into it and just trust that I have exactly what I need to deliver the exact value that this other person needs right now. And that's going to take on a different shape and form for every different person. Um, so I guess my encouragement is like this awakening or this knowingness that you are in the right place or you have the gift. Um, it happens in different timeframes, in different ways, at different levels of knowingness. I think you just have to, it's again like a surrendering into the process and just allowing it to happen rather than trying to look for that. Oh, is this the awakening? Is this it? Have I got the gift now? You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> It's probably already there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the biggest thing I'm hearing from you is that tarot can really support trusting the intuition, trusting the self. It's like just trust. The word trust keeps coming up when you when you shared all that. And you know, how how has tarot supported you with trust in your life? Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know how to quite put this into words, but I'll try. Um, I actually think tarot isn't, it's not the end destination. So mm -hmm. tarot has been like a tool that facilitates me getting in touch with my intuition. It's the intuition piece and being in alignment with myself. That's the, that's the bit. That's the goal that I'm actually working towards. The tarot is only a step towards that. Um, Whereas originally I thought the tarot was it, like you do the tarot reading, you get the message and it's done. But the deeper process is actually happening when you're using tarot to contact, like access your intuition, to learn how to trust yourself. Um, something that, you know, resonates with me very strongly right now is learning to trust our inner wisdom. So we are raised to always look outside of ourselves, you know, look to the authorities to tell you what to do. Um, you know, look to the experts to tell you if you're in the right place or not. Right. But when we do that, we often end up out of alignment with our path. And really it's about coming back into our inner wisdom and knowing that we've already got the whole, like all of the answers are within ourselves. And for me, tarot is just one way of getting access to those answers. And it has been a tool that has helped me then trust that inner wisdom and know that, like, it's just all in here. Uh, yeah. can't really describe it much more than that. Um, do you have that sense as well? Yeah. I think you explained it really well, actually, just putting into words, because it can be this sort of etheric, like, experience. But for me, I, I just use it as a mirror of what is going on in my life and then when I am giving readings, you know, I will really just connect to this other source. And it, I like you said, it's not even about me. It, it, it becomes something bigger. And so I really feel like it's this profound way of connecting to a deeper meaning. And then what happens is it's almost like the integration begins after you do this reading. And it could actually not show up for a couple days later. I've had readings and I will shake my head and go, that card wasn't for me. And then two days later I go, I laugh because there's the message. And so that to me is the real, you know, when we apply these tools in our actual daily like lives, 
when things like challenges or were triggered and all this, these human things pop up. And I think that's the real, like the real deal right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think tarot becomes really powerful when we're using it in tandem with an intention to live our best lives. So, um, it's not necessarily the thing that's going to give us the answer because if we're in that state of mind, we're looking to the tarot to say, right, should I do this or should I not? We, again, we're starting to put our power outside of ourselves and into an external thing. So that's mm -hmm. not a good thing. But when we use it in alignment with this idea that all of our wisdom is within and the tarot is just one tool of, like you say, reflecting on what's going on inside of you um, and knowing that all of our power is in there, I think that's when it becomes super powerful um, mm. and a you know, really, really solid tool for just basically like elevating our levels of consciousness and um, living a much better aware conscious life as well. Mm. Beautifully said. I would love to kind of get into the mechanics of tarot. You know, you, you definitely do have that background of, of the structure and I'd love to bring forth, you know, some, some factual information about, you know, what the, uh, the four main themes are, if somebody's just getting started, you know, what is the pentacle suite, the swords, the wands, the cups, and, and uh, elaborate on that for us. Cool. So, let, yeah, let's talk about kind of the structure of the deck and how it's made up. Um, so in a tarot deck, most of the decks have 78 tarot cards. Uh, they're a bit different to an oracle deck. Oracle decks, you know, could have however many. It's a bit like the Wild West. Um, oracle can be whatever it wants. Yeah. Um, Tarot has a lot more structure and, and typically speaking, it has the 78 cards. Now we have 22 major arcana cards. Now the majors are like really rich, juicy, beefy cards. Um, <laughs> and they really speak to our spiritual lessons, um, kind of more of those big themes that are running in our lives. So for example, you might have the high priestess, which is very much about connecting in with your intuition and knowing that there is way more to life than what you see in front of you. Um, or it might be the sun card, which is all about that positive energy and sort of being in flow with life and being in love with life itself. So those are your majors. Then you have the four different suits. So as you were saying before, you've got cups, pentacles, swords, and wands. And within each of those categories, you've got cards from the ace through to a 10, and then you've got court cards. I'll talk about court cards in a sec. But basically, the suits are aligned to the elements. So if you're new to tarot, but you've got a good idea of the elemental energy of things like um, water, earth, um, air, and <laughs> where am I? Fire. That's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> when it's not like I'm, I'm more visual I like to see things in front of me um, yeah, yeah. but you know when you start to align the suits with the different elements you get a really good feel for them so cups is very much about relationships it's about the fluidity of water intuition connection um, feelings and emotions pentacles is much more material um, earth-based uh, it can be finance career but it can also be physical possessions or even physical like touch so um, particularly in a relationship reading pentacles can be very much about that sort of physical connection then you have your swords which are very much about the intellect and how we think about things it's perhaps a little bit more on the masculine side so um, more of that rational logical um, way of approaching things 
And then your wands is that fire energy, so very passionate, enthusiastic, energetic. Um, you know, even the sort of the sexuality comes through in the wands as well. So seeing wands again in a relationship reading can be kind of that strong magic and chemistry that goes on. Mm. So those cards also they match up to like those numbered cards. So if you're a little bit familiar with um, basic numerology, you've got a bit of an advantage because you can go, all right, well, two of cups. Well, twos are about coupling and cups are about emotions and relationships. Well, maybe the two of cups is about a coupling in a relationship. So mm. you can start to combine cards that way. Um, and then finally you have the court cards. So, uh, and I wish, I think we need like a new name, actually. I've decided this right now. We need a new name for these. Let's hear it. What's the new name? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. If you can think of one, awesome. Um, but core cards are like traditionally, it's like your king, queen, page and knight. Um, and so certainly back in medieval times, they made sense. But these days, we don't really see kings and queens, you know, out in the street and so on. Um, but these Where cards does the are term court actually come from? Well, I think it's like the king's court. I think that means okay. um, like kind of just his... Almost his Courtyard. entity, Organ yeah, yeah. organisation. Um, because even like back in the old days, so like the king would send out his knight to fulfil a mission. And so now we know like with our knights in Tarot, they're very mission oriented, very action oriented. They're following orders, but they're like, there's so much energy behind them. They go out and get it done. Uh, the pages are a little bit more softer and, you know, stepping into this new um, phase that might be younger um, or at a lesser stage of development or maturity. Um, queens, they're still ruling, um, but they're doing it from a more receptive place. Mm -hmm. And then you have your kings who are also ruling, but more of an authoritarian um, ruling position. So they can really speak to your personality types or the different parts of your personality that are coming out. And sometimes they can speak to other people that might be in your life as well. So that's kind of the very short and concise <laughs> version of the 78 tarot cards. <laughs> so what's the difference really in the, the minor and the major arcana? Yeah, so majors are definitely those big life themes. Minor arcana is sort of more like the, a temporary situation or just things that happen on more of a day-to-day -day basis. So, uh, you know, the five of cups, it's a guy, he's got two cups two, three, um, fallen over and then he's got a couple of cups behind him standing up. And it's about, you know, just don't cry over spilt milk. If things go wrong, just get over it and move on. Um, compared to something like the judgment card, which is from the major arcana cards, that's a much bigger theme of, um, you know, stepping into your calling, um, being ready to... Uh, almost be judged by the universe um, so you can sort of feel like feel in contrast that different energy with with the majors and the minors yeah you see that it's beautiful yeah i just had this whole vision of the court and the castle and <laughs> you know the the kings and the queens and just them and performing tarot and manning the court and I was thinking of almost it being like a royalty card, you know, there's, it, it feels like it's royal, you know, and uh, I, I love that you brought in it being 
personal, like it's a personal, maybe someone in your life. Cause I actually never thought of those cards in that way. For some reason, I always thought it was more related to myself or, uh, just maybe someone in the reading. So now when someone, when you're doing a reading for someone, how do you know when it's your intuition or it's for them or for you? Because oftentimes, you know, I think it's hard to determine if it if it's really your reading or if it's the person's or is it is it both mm. so i think this is where the preparation before a reading really comes into play and it's right before a reading and it's your whole life the way that you live your life so um it's really important to go into a reading with clear intent and so if you are reading for someone your reading will be for that person you want to go into that reading with pure intent all of your energy and focus is on that person. Because I think sometimes when we go in there with our own stuff, our own baggage, our own questions, we're shuffling the cards for the other person, but secretly we're going, damn, that person is like really annoying. What is going on with that relationship? And then it can start to filter in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if we're not doing it consciously, we might, do it, we might be doing it subconsciously. So I think it's professional to try and keep a really clear um, separation between, you know, you doing a reading for somebody else versus you doing a reading for you. So the preparation comes in clearing your mind before, even if it's just a quick five minute meditation, just to clear your mind, Mm. um, and center in like center into your truest being. So you're not in the ego, you're back into your truest self. And whether that's, you know, nice grounding into the earth, getting up into the universe, channeling all that energy through like your spinal cord, um, whatever practice you use, but anything to bring you back into a space of just pure essence and pure energy. And doing that before a reading will then help you have a lot more clarity within a reading. So you know if it's actually, you know, you, you're not even questioning if it's about you or about them because you've set your intention that it's about them. Mm. Um, and likewise, when you're, doing it, when you're doing a reading for yourself, that preparation is equally as important. Because otherwise we get our ego coming in and going, oh, hey, I know you want that relationship to work out. I'm sure that Ten of Swords looks like a really good card. Surely that means it's working. <laughs> and then your intuition's going, uh-uh, no way. You know, there's all those swords stabbed into the back. How could that possibly be? Um, so we want to kind of clear out the <laughs> ego <laughs> as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That ego can definitely creep up and just want and almost want to direct the reading in such a way in my experience of wanting it to be a certain way, you know, or even just when it comes up and goes, I don't want that card today. Like, no, not the card. No, you know, and uh, when I've done readings for others and I've learned to become more empowered and to not be so afraid to say things that maybe they don't want to hear because a lot of times I've heard too, you know, I don't want to get a reading because I'm afraid. I don't want to hear what's what the truth is, or I don't want to hear any bad news, or I don't want to know. So, mm. you know, share with us kind of your, your insight on that. Like when people feel afraid to look or, you know, they, they ask, am I going to be with this person forever? Or, you know, are you psychic? All that stuff. Like, how do we, how do we approach that? Mm. So there's a lot of misperception out there around what tarot is and what tarot isn't. And a lot of that is driven like what we see in movies and films, um, you know, just even 
oh, like crappy ads. <laughs> you know, it's, there's a whole range of media that portrays tarot as if it's a fortune telling tool. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. So I think when we're reading for somebody else and they come in thinking, oh, you're psychic, you tell me what I want to know, or, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear bad news. I think we first need to assume that we need to almost re-educate what tarot really is. Mm -hmm. And it might be, you know, you might have an idea of what tarot is, but I want to share with you how I like to work with tarot and how I can really help you in this session. And it might be that we are co-creating this reading. This isn't me just telling you all of everything that's going to happen in the future. This is about you and I working out what is it that you really desire and how can we align your inner self to that place where you can start to manifest what you really want. Mm. Because I believe that our future is not set in stone. I actually believe that we can create our future and that's what we're going to do in this tarot reading session. So there's a bit of like that realignment that needs to happen before you even begin because I just think people come in with a pre preconceived idea <clears throat> excuse me of of what tarot is um and it's not it's not by any fault of their own uh, mm. unfortunately it's just you know where where the media is at um it does like it does kind of worry me sometimes when people say oh i just i don't want to get bad news um and I, I think perhaps loosening that is coming is talking about that you know we can create our future it's not set in stone but also being aware that look life isn't always roses um, and a tarot reading is going to reflect that. It's going to show you where there is lots of light and happiness, and it's going to show you where the shadows are. And the beautiful thing is that when we can bring those shadows into our conscious awareness, that's where we can take action. And so even though we might see something that we don't really like, and maybe it's a bit of a trigger for us, what it's doing is it's saying, hey, this is, this is an issue. And the, at that very point where you say, this is an issue, it's coming into conscious awareness, and then when you're ready, then you can take action and change it. Now, we're not necessarily ready straight away. Um, and that's why I often like recommend um, when you're reading for someone else, they don't like the message in the cards, really recommend that they come back to that reading in a month, three months, you know, make sure you've got a re recording of the reading in some way and have them come back to it because those messages will have, will resonate in a different way, I think, in a few months. And equally, if you're reading for yourself, um, and look, I'm guilty of doing this. Sometimes you pull a card and you go, oh, no, didn't like that one. And like throw it away, forget that even happened, right? Yeah. And then, you know, a week later, you're like, oh, crap, it did happen. <laughs> um, but it's really important that we actually record each reading uh, mm. because even though we might not like that message or we think it's not true, it will come into play. It will have meaning when we're ready. So having the recording there, you can go back to it and check in and perhaps be more receptive to what that message is. I haven't really recorded my readings other than in my book of shadows a little bit, like on full moons and stuff, but that's a really great idea. I love that. I, I yeah, just even envisioned done. a tarot book or something. Is that what you have? You have a tarot book? Is that what they do? They can log tarot? Or no? Well, do you know what I like to do is I just take a photo. I just take, get yeah. my phone. I've like got the cards in front of me. I'll just take a photo. Sometimes I'll drop it into say Evernote and I'll write up some notes about it as well. But even if I'm in a hurry, which I shouldn't be, um, but sometimes I am, <laughs> I'll just take the photo of it. Uh, and that way I can go back later and check in um, as well. But you know, yeah, you could journal about it. Um, 
you know, putting it into a book of shadows is beautiful. You might save that more for those like more juicy readings, um, but definitely just at least get a photo. That's awesome. Yeah, for those of you guys that don't know about Evernote, uh, you must download this app. It's pretty much my favorite note-taking app other than I never really resonated with the Mac uh, note-taking app thing. <laughs> I don't even know about it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, amazing. So, you know, I often also get, what kind of questions do I ask the cards? Do you believe that there's a, a structure to that? Like, or do you feel like you just, you know, every day when you pull a card, you just ask, what do I need to know? Or do you have a specific question in mind? You know, okay. Enlighten us with that. I do think it's important to give energy and attention to the questions that you ask the cards because it's the quality of the question that gives you the quality of the answer. Mm. So if you're going in with a crappy question, like, will I win the lottery? <laughs> crappy, crappy reading. Um, so for me, I see like our questions kind of fall into two camps. One is uh, more passive and more fate-based. So these kinds of questions are like, will I, will I go and will I get the new job? When will I get a new job? Um, should I do this, right? So when we ask those kinds of questions, we're assuming that, you know, our future is outside of our hands, it's outside of our own power, um, and that, you know, things happen to us. I don't know about you, but I do not like being in that place where something's happening to me. I like to be able no, to take no. it. No victim consciousness here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so be really wary if you hear yourself asking things like when, should, will, those kinds of questions. Mm, okay. um, and instead, what you want to be asking is more things like, um, you know, what, why, and how. Those are much more curious type questions. They also assume that, you have the power to manifest your future. So it might be like, how might I manifest the job of my dreams? Or even, um, I know everyone likes to know what's going to happen in the future. So <laughs> my kind of like little way around that is to ask, what might I experience if, you know, I take this action? Hmm. And it's very conditional, what might I experience? Because what we experience is, you know, a to like it's, it's as a result of the actions we take, the mindset we've got, the filters that we have, um, and so on. So it's a little bit more fluid when we ask, what might I experience? Uh, even like for a daily card reading, um, what do I like to do? Oh, I've kind of changed sometimes. So sometimes it might just be like, what energies do I need to be aware of? Um, mm -hmm. What energy can I bring more of into my day? Uh, that's a really neat one because then you can be even more active. I with love the that question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then you can get like super creative. Like, I don't know. Um, let's see. No. Uh, I'm just looking at my cards and seeing if I can pull out a good example. But even like, say, the Ace of Cups, uh, if you pull that with the intention of what energies do I need to bring more of into my life? You know, you might even go and start playing with water for mm. um, some time and just experience, like, what is this energy of water and what does it feel like to me and how can I bring this watery energy into my life? Um, you might even think about what Ace of Cups represents to you and emotions. You might do some journaling about what, what are your emotions right now? What is kind of overflowing in your cup? Um, so it's, I find that stuff, that's where the fun happens. When it's just like, oh, what's going to happen today? 
Ace of Cups. I don't know. Not too excited about that. <laughs> so when you do readings for others, do you have them ask you a question? Like the question that they have in mind, do you ask them to share their question before you give the reading? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know some people expect that the tarot reader is also a mind reader. Um, I am not. <laughs> and <laughs> I always find that like if, if I understand someone's situation, I can help them so much better. Mm -hmm. um, and the reading, isn't, the reading is not a test of my psychic ability. That's not how I set myself up as a reader. I don't position myself as, oh, I know everything and I'm so accurate and what have you. My proposition is like I'm here to coach you and support you and connect you to your intuition using the cards as a guide. So when I have a reading with somebody, it's very much about co-creating that reading it's about kind of workshopping it together and helping the client access their own intuition and their own insight about a particular situation. So it's much more of a conversation than it is, you know, me telling them everything that's going to happen. And for that to happen, I absolutely have to know what their question is. Mm, I believe that too. I, I actually, my ego used to, in the beginning, this is where I think we can relate to that structure and how things are supposed to look. You know, my ego was very involved in my readings because I, I remember having a very magical experience with someone who gave me a reading just like you and it really opened my eyes and went, I want to be able to do that. I can do that. You know, let me, let me be psychic. Let me be this thing. And I think there is like a, the spiritual ego that is kind of almost a chapter in the awakening ascension process for sure. So it was just like, the chapter that I was in, but I would often, you know, not ask questions and I would just go into the cards and I still had good readings, but it, it just felt like that then it was like spirit came through and was like, you need to spend time connecting with this person and really understanding their, what their, you know, what's going on in their life. And then it became, I mean, even more expanded version of, of really what we could get into and go deeper in right you know and even going into like the chakra systems and you know looking at all aspects of the situation rather than just like okay we have the cards here or pulling from that situation so I think that's important to talk about too because of it being such a uh, such a powerful tool that we we have to give it that power and we have to recognize that we are actually the manifesting power I wanted to say manifest and generator of it with some human human design but you know we have our um the vibration that comes from the card is coming from within like you said earlier so we, we have to give it give it that respect and allow for whatever is supposed to happen just to happen yeah absolutely and I'm also just recalling um a reading I did with a friend and I reckon for the first half hour, we didn't even touch the cards because it was the, there was huge value and transformation happening in the process of the conversation that we were having. And just asking probing questions to help her get a little bit further in her understanding of the situation. And then once we were clear about what the actual core issue was, then we could pull out the cards. And it was a much like more powerful reading much more insightful because we didn't just go with the you know the question that she had straight up we unpacked it a lot more before we got into the cards and that's something like I encourage my students to do that as well really get to the heart of the question because often someone will come in with thinking it's one thing like you know um, 
why won't he call me? <laughs> that might be the question. And then you start to dig a little bit deeper and maybe it's a self-love issue and, and you're going to get a much better reading if you focus on the self-love than you do on the why didn't he call me piece. Right, so. and we know that can go really deep. It can be like father healing, mother healing. I mean, there's so... I love to look at the root, you know, going down to that base of the tree and seeing what is be what is creating this and uh like you said probing questions so can you tell us about do you do you really work with reverse cards i do i'm a huge fan of reverse cards now when i first started though with them i I don't know about you but i like when i was looking in all the tarot books about reverse cards they would have these awful meanings like right it's sort of frightening it makes you not want to work yeah. with them like oh, I don't know. know. <laughs> but then I was working with um another reader James Wells who's in Canada and he's such a like a lovely soul and he did a reading with for me where he was using reversals and he used them in this completely different way and my eyes just like were like oh this is it so the way that I read re with reversals right now is Taking like so, let's take a little step back. So, every card <laughs> reverse, <laughs> yeah, yeah, reverse. <laughs> um, so, like every card is energy, and you know, even across like different decks, we have different visual expressions of the same energy. That's what I believe. So, even though all different tarot decks look different to one another, it's the essential energy, but we've expressed it in a different way. So in the upright version of a card, I see that energy as something that's being expressed externally. So it's happening in the world around you. Um, you know, if it's like the Knight of Wands, maybe there's like um, projects that are moving forward with lots of energy and gusto and so on. Um, or if it's like the Two of Wands, maybe again, you know, you're looking at what other opportunities you've got outside of you and you know, outside your comfort zone. With reversals, I see it as the internalization of that energy. So um, the Knight of Wands reversed might not be that you're going to meet some jerk who's just completely full of himself, but rather that you're embodying, like you're taking in this energy of the Knight of Wands and it's a process that's happening within you. So maybe you're reconnecting with your um, sort of source energy, your sexuality, your way of expressing yourself. Um, and that's happening on an internal or a private basis. With that two of wands, maybe it's about exploring your own inner boundaries of what's comfortable to you and what's not, and where you feel like you can expand and where you don't feel you can expand. So it's all happening internally. That's how I see those reversals. And uprights, external, it's happening outside of you. Do you work with the reversals in that way at all? Not at all that way. I have, I'm so grateful that you just shared that because it, it, it definitely, I'm like, wait, wow, that's really powerful because I really believe that, you know, of course our inner worlds create our outer world. So in a sense, when we look at it that way, it becomes really profound. Hmm. So, yeah. wow, good medicine. Yeah. Yes, yummy. <laughs> I can't wait to try that out. I'm going to go work with all my decks tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's so, it becomes so fascinating. Like if you're doing a relationship reading and then you're using reversals in this way, it starts to tell you this whole different story about what work do you need to do internally versus what is about what is it about you as a couple and a dynamic. Um, even interestingly, like during a Mercury retrograde, you might expect to have a Which few more. We're reversals. in right now. Yes. 
<laughs> exactly. So those reverse cards can often come up. Although, mind you, in that case, they're probably a little bit more of the re side mm. of things. Right. Or having to redo things, relearn a lesson. Sometimes reversals can be that actually, that you need to relearn that lesson. Uh, and you're sort of getting a bit stuck in a loop on it, and you just need to, especially like the major arcana that's in a reverse position, can be that sign of like, mm. oh, you're just not getting it. I'm going to keep putting this into your life until you get it. Yeah, it's going to keep showing up until you do something about it. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> yep. Not always easy to face, but uh, really powerful when we do. So yes. um, what about the less not so exciting cards that often people fear, like the death card, the devil, the tower? You know, there's a lot of conversations lately about the Trump towers and, and all of that. Like what, what's going on with those cards? Because a lot of, you know, it's like fear yeah. immediately. Yes. And I get it because, again, in media, like you'd have the tarot reader that shows the death card and says, you're going to die. Um, <laughs> that's not true, just to clear that thought. Um, but here's the thing, like, uh, as I was saying a bit earlier, like every card has light and shade, just like our life has light and shade. Uh, even the sun card, which is all that positivity and warmth, it has like a negative side to it. If you have too much positivity, I don't know if you've ever been with someone who's like, overly optimistic or overly bubbly you get like oh just shut up already <laughs> right and, and there's you know there's something to that too You're like what what's really going on under that you know yeah. it's sort of a red flag in my opinion when that's yeah. someone's aura you know and it to me it's it's actually probably the opposite inside yeah exactly yes so we can push it too far so the good stuff can go too far and then um that sort of puts it into the, the sort of bad side, but then our bad cards can also jump into the light side as well. So as an example, um, I had a reading where the tower came up for my spiritual purpose. And I'm like, what, what is this? And started to freak out. But um, the reader was like, no, no, it's all good. This is about you shaking stuff up and really shaking the foundations and creating something new. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my God, yes. And I resonate that with that you know, years on um, from when I had that reading. Uh, and so, yeah, Tower for me is very, it's a really empowering card. I love it because it's like challenging the status quo and it's doing things differently. And that's, that's how I roll, particularly with, with Tower. Um, the Death card is obviously about you know, transformation and what is it in your life that you need to have this metaphorical death with so that something new can grow. Um, the devil card, even though in its sort of bad form is like all these, you know, negative attachments and dependencies that we have, it's also kind of nice when we create a dependency. Um, in fact, just over the weekend, um, my daughter had a big abscess on her leg. She had to go into hospital and we ended up having a two-night mm. hospital stay um, she's all good. No, like, okay, no good. <laughs> um, but it meant we got like Chloe and I got to spend, you know, two, three days together. Just I was with her the whole time and it created this beautiful, strong attachment. And so in some ways, that's the positive side of the devil card. Of course, now she has all these expectations that I'm going to be around all the time, mm. <laughs> even we're at home. So that's kind of now it's flipping back. Um, but I just want you to be able to see that like we have, every card has light and shade and there it's 
well, it's actually a really good exercise to pull out maybe those three cards that irk you the most. Like when you see it in the reading, you think, oh, not this card. And then force yourself to list five or ten things that are awesome about this card that, you know, it's what's, what's the light mm. in this card. That's such a beautiful practice to bring into just life in general, you know, list out the things that we don't like to do, the things we fear, whatever it is that we tend to either be triggered by or something and then sort of reverse it. Yeah. And even I'm thinking with people who are kind of annoying you at the time, (laughs) think about what do I love about love? (laughs) (laughs) What are they bringing into my life? (laughs) Yeah. Interesting to see what the shift would be. For, yes. for us out there that have those annoyances and uh, what a great perspective. I love that. Yeah. That's warm and fuzzy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any advice on what the difference is between, I'm sure you do Oracle and tarot decks for people who want to understand the difference? Yeah. So as um, I said earlier with tarot, it's much more structured and they're like each card has its own, you know, energy or meaning to it with the Oracle cards. I mean, anybody can create an Oracle deck. It can be on any topic. It could be about angels. It could be about animal spirits. It could be about anything. Um, I find also with Oracle, it's often the kind of bigger themes and often more in the positive side as well. Yeah. So much more yeah. motivational, uplifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas tarot, I think it's just kind of like it's the real story. Mm-hmm. Let's <laughs> um, go deep, girl. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I can imagine doing a tarot reading with 10 cards. I can't, I never really get beyond one card with an oracle card because I feel like, hmm, that felt like I've got everything I need in that one card. So for me personally, I use tarot cards for readings. I do like to integrate oracle cards though into a reading, perhaps as um, at the end of a reading to summarize like what's the key theme here or what is the thing that you can go away with? What's kind of that uplifting message for you? Um, I also use oracle cards in my business planning. So every month when I'm reviewing you know, what we've achieved and then for the next month where we're going to focus our energy, I draw an oracle card and I really tap into the energy of that card and how that will influence us in the business as well. I find that super powerful. Ooh, that's amazing. That was a great segue. I was going to ask you a little bit about how you use tarot in your business and some things that, you know, tips that you have, but there you go. You already, you read into that. You're a psychic. I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But so Oracle cards are one way that that I use it for business planning. Um, I also just use them like, Oh, all the time. So, um, if I'm about to have a meeting with maybe, a, you know, we're looking at um, creating an app at the moment and I'm having meetings with app developers. So I draw a card before I have that meeting and it just gives me a feel for them or how the meeting might go or just what I need to be aware of. Um, when we're hiring team members, one, we ask them what tarot card do you um, most resonate with as part of the interview. Ooh, and of course we use yeah and we also ask them uh astrology of you know the rising the sun and the moon card um and then we often draw cards like when we're in the selection phase as well now here's kind of the caveat though do we use tarot cards as our only piece of information no it's an integrated part and certainly like i'm very practical 
very strategic in the way that I run my business. Uh, so it's a compliment to how I run the business. I think it would be foolish to only use the cards and go, oh, well, I got this card, therefore I must do this. Um, I think we have to integrate it with other pieces of information as well. It's important. Right. Like practical magic. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and, you know, we got to bring the masculine in from time to time. And uh, it sounds like you have a very healthy balance between the two. Yes, well, I'm working. I'm still working on my bringing the feminine in because, oh my goodness, I mean, it was so masculine dominated. It's just like yeah. inherent in in our makeup. So it's yeah. kind of, kind of make especially when you own a business. Yes, yes, that's for yeah. sure. What is something that you've learned start in business, having a, a mystical business in this modern time? What are some things that you've learned? Mm. I've learned to really own intuition as a superpower so what I mean by that is like even a few years ago I'd be kind of apologetic or embarrassed or shy that I wanted that I read tarot um, or that I even use tarot and intuition in my business and I'd feel a little bit silly or I'd go to like I'd go to say um, a business conference and they'd ask oh what do you do and I'm like oh I read tarot. Oh, but I used to work in corporate. Like I'd keep balancing out with all, like what I thought was you know, the right answer. Um, but what I've come to realize, particularly in these last few years, that when I really just own it and I say, you know what, this is actually a huge contributor to the success of the business. And I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be put down about it. I'm not going to be shy about it. Um, in fact, we recently, we were looking for a partner, um, to work with like a charitable um, organization to make a fairly significant donation. And we were getting very close with one organization and they went, they had to sign some forms with the CEO. And then the guy came back to me and said, oh, sorry, we're not going to be able to accept your um, donation uh, because you're in tarot. And it happened that they were a Christian based uh, organization. And I'm like, this is very odd because everything was going very well. And, and you understand like how I operate the business and you have a respect for that. It's like, Oh, well, surely you get this. Like people, you know, running tarots, we just don't want our donors to feel like, you know, they're out of alignment or can't donate. I'm like, damn this. So in the past I might've been all apologetic on, Oh yeah. And Oh, sorry. I know. Whatever. Um, but I thought, no, I'm standing up for this. Nah, you've lost out here, buddy. Like you've completely lost out. And it's so clear mm. about where your values are as an organisation that it's not on the people that you're serving. It's about you protecting your own reputation. For me, that was a huge affirmation of just, again, standing firm, standing strong and, um, you know, being proud of of a mystical business like we don't have to hide in the shadows anymore and nor should we um and i think like there's just so much more of a shift towards this rising up and getting out there and standing proud and i actually think the balance of power is coming into this kind of space and it's moving away from that traditional more patriarchal model and much more into a more balanced unified model so mm. that's what i'm getting excited about well said, sister. Thank you so much. So we're coming to the end of our show here. I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours, but uh, we won't take up more of your time. <laughs> so 
I have a couple more questions before we end the show. Uh, where where can everyone find you? I know I shared your website, but I'm sure you're on all social media platforms. But if someone wants to work with you or what other offerings do you have within the tarot realms? I know you offer courses. What kind of juiciness do you got going on? Awesome. So the best place to come is over to biddytarot.com. Um, and in fact, on the homepage, um, if you scroll down, there's an option where you can decide, okay, am I just starting to learn tarot? Um, I have I been learning for a little while or do I want to become a professional click on any of those it will take you to a place where you can get all um, free resources to help you with that journey so that's one option um, we also have online tarot courses uh, we have a community filled with um, over a thousand members who are like awesome and that's also where you can do those free tarot readings to really build up your practice there's classes with me um, forums and so on so lots of juiciness in there we have a number of books on Amazon and on our website. Um, in fact, we will be launching, we'll be launching two things. So um, we've got the Biddy Tarot Planner, which we do every year. So that's a really fun um, uh, like planner using tarot for every month. Uh, really neat way of integrating it into everyday life. Mm. And then we are also launching our new book, Everyday Tarot. And also a new tarot deck, which I am super excited about because we've we've been on the self-publishing journey for a number of years, and this is the first traditionally published book. So I'm immensely proud of um, what I'm putting out there. And uh, yes, that's available over at everydaytarot.com and available for pre-order, and then out into the shops on September 18th. And in fact, I'm going to be over in the US in September doing a tour and celebrating the launch of our book as well. So oh my excited. gosh, you are amazing. Whereabouts in the US will you be? Um, we're starting in New York and then Atlanta and then LA. So we'll have to, we'll have to catch up with you in LA. Oh yes. Too. I'm like, I hope she's saying LA. I hope she's saying LA. I love, <laughs> love, love, love to catch up for some tea or something. It would be awesome to uh, have you come in and uh, meet me. That's good awesome yeah so oh so good so i love to ask this question to all the guests on the show at the end what does it mean to you to be a goddess mm. i think goddess is to me again owning that power that is within us and standing proud in that power we can embody, I think, I think we can embody the feminine, but still be a little bit shy and, you know, in the shadows. But being a goddess is really standing out there in the light and saying, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. Don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nice, but don't mess with me. Um, and, yeah, just owning that power and knowing that, you know, everything that you have is just such an important asset to this world and, and where we're heading as a, as a community well i love that beautiful so what is everybody going to listen to do you have a track for us you'd like for us to play at the end here i do i've got to just double check the title because i'm singing it in my head i'm pretty sure it is deep in love it's from do you know deva primal mm -hmm. oh so actually deva primal sings a lot of mantra songs um but they created this beautiful song. It, yeah, you're going to hear it. It's, it's absolutely divine. Mm. Um, and I saw them live actually in Melbourne a couple of years ago and Dave and Mitten, a, a couple, and the love between them is insane. Like you just watch it. 
like you know you can see things beyond what's in front of you and is it's it, just is it spelled like d-e-v-a Deva? Yes. okay i know yeah. what you're talking about yes <laughs> they're amazing and the electricity in that room when they were performing was just divine and every time i listen to this song i just it just drops into my whole body so I hope mm. you enjoy it. Mm, I love me some soul body music mm. and mantras. <laughs> all right, love. Well, thank you again so much for gracing us with all your wisdom and your beautiful light. We really appreciate your time and uh, we hope that we can all connect with you soon. So beautiful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I love you, sisters. I hear you. I see you. I feel you. Until next time. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.